Hello, everybody. Welcome to uh, Keys Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. As we continue on in a series we're doing called You Have the Words, um, You Have the Words of Life. And um, this series, in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at things that Jesus said. Uh, and I'm hoping to um, encourage you to sort of think about this as a, as a, as a sort of devotional exercise. Um, that I think is very helpful, that, that um, every week you take sort of a, a passage of Scripture like this, something like this, you know, and we're looking at things Jesus said, and then you dwell on them for a week and um, ask God to help you use your holy imaginations. He gave you imagination um, to sort of put yourself into what's happening, to think about it from different sort of angles and perspectives, what, what the people must have been going through, what it would have been like, what was Jesus seeing and thinking. Um, what were the disciples thinking if they're in the story? What, what were the, the crowd thinking? What would a, and, and just try and um, really spend some time going over those things. And I, th I think a week is a great time to sort of do that and, and watch the different sort of ideas that you get along the way. And so what I'm doing is, is kind of thinking about those things and sharing with you those ideas so that um, you can sort of see how that goes. And I think it's a very effective and helpful tool in all your reading of the Scripture. Um, and, and that it's a great devotional sort of device, I, I know, for me. It really began to make those things come alive to me and, and sort of understand them in a different way. You know, as the Holy Spirit illuminates those things to you, and as you really ask, He does that. Uh, and I think it's a very, very helpful thing to do. And so uh, we've looked at quite a few statements already. Uh, five, I guess, is quite a few. Um, we've, uh, Jesus said, what do you want in the first week? And I thought, what a great question. He asks us what we want. And, you know, I sort of think the, the answer that we grow into is, God, I, you know, I just want what you want. And that's where we find life. And we talked about making him, a, you know, the, the presence of God, a priority in our lives. And we talked about what it means to be born again. And we talked about worshiping in spirit and truth. Last week, we hit one of my favorites, do you want to get well? And, um, and what a powerful and loaded question that is. And I hope you spend some time um, looking at that because it's, it's just something that we can apply all the time. Have a new uh, question that Jesus asked that we're going to look at today and it's a question that I believe he asked uh, uh, to get his disciples thinking um, I know f that's exactly why he did it because the Bible says that's why he did it and, um, and I think it gets us thinking as well so we're going to get to that in a moment and, and actually we're going to be looking at the feeding of the 5,000 today uh, in, our, in our passage um, so I was looking for um, that was the intro I'm now in transition now always a bad joke here uh, I was looking for a bad joke that, that might work with bread and um, because, you know, stay on topic with the jokes is really, really bad. And so, you know, I got that. What did one slice of bread say to the other slice of bread when he saw some butter and jam on the table? We're toast. <laughs> Not bad? All right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll follow over this because this is bad. So this woman, she says to her husband, who happens to be a computer programmer, she said, hey, could you go and do a little shopping? And he goes, yeah, I guess I could. And she said, look, would you go to the, you know, the store over there and, uh, and buy some bread? And, and if they have eggs, buy a dozen. And he says, okay, I'll do that for you. Twenty minutes later, the, the husband comes back, bringing 12 loaves of bread. And the wife is flabbergasted. And she said, why on earth did you buy 12 loaves of bread? And he said, well, they had eggs. You know, I used to go back and remember what I said. Buy a loaf of bread, and if they have eggs, buy a dozen. Ah, programmer. It's too much work. I don't know if I'm going to do that one again. Anyway. <laughs> uh, scripture reading is here on purpose. John chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. 
When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test them, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of, of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to talk about something Jesus says in verse 5, where he says, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And that's one of the questions that that are designed to help us think outside of our own sort of normal but very narrow focus. And and, and even Jesus said in John 6, 6, uh, it even tells us that he asked this only to test them for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus already knew what he was going to do. And uh, he, he tosses out this question to get the disciples thinking. And I think it's important for us to see that, that um, um, Jesus wants us to learn to sort of think about situations the way that he does and to, to learn, sort of look into them the way that he does. And that brings up our first point um, is this, which is, you know, are we going to do it our way or his way? Are we going to, you know, live life? Are we going to move through this life our way or his way? And I think one of the big problems we have um, and that we face every day uh, in, in living by trying to do the next right thing, which we talk about all the time, is that we have a tendency to forget to keep God in the equation of our lives. We have a tendency to think about life um, based on sort of only the natural around us, and we forget that, um, that God is intimately and actively involved in all of our lives. Now, rolling back into the story, John 6, 3, um, Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great cow coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So there's a question. Here's the thing. Big crowd of people coming. And, and uh, he, I, he asked this question. Now Philip sort of looks around and he looks at the, everything and he says in verse 7, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Very sort of natural, normal way to look at the situation. You look at all the people. You start to figure out the natural, what it's going to take. And uh, he's like, not possible. We, we, we don't even have the eight months wages wouldn't feed these people. You know, there's 5,000 men plus women and children. This is a huge crowd. And uh, Philip's like, you know, he's basically saying, can't be done. And then another of his disciples, and this is verse 8 and 9, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he said, here's a boy with five small uh, barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So, so here you get Andrew saying, well, you, yeah, yeah, you know, look, this is what we got. We got, we got uh, five little loaves and two little fish. But, you know, that's going to, what are you going to do in this size crowd with that little bit? So you have these guys speaking into the situation, 
just can't be done. Um, but there's a little verse that we have to remember, I think, in Luke 137, that says, for nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. I don't think that's a verse that we use to be presumptive on God's behalf, but I think that what we need to learn to do is make sure that we're keeping God in the equation of our lives and not merely operating on um, sort of what we see right before us in the natural and not take it a little deeper in the process. And, and I think oftentimes why we get stuck there and, and why we have that tendency to keep God out of the equation is, is that this, we tend to look through life um, with this, this point number two, which is, well, what about me? And that when we look at a situation, one of the first things that we do, and, and it's natural, I mean, it's part of our nature, is we sort of have a tendency to think first about how it's going to impact us and, and what that looks like. And, and so um, part of that is a lack of trust. Part of it is sort of, um, sort of somewhere doubting that God is really, really going to take care of us because we, we tend to have this pretty narrow focus of life. So, you know, let's look at a little backstory about what's taking place here because Matthew in his gospel gives us a little other information about what's happening as well and uh, I, I like this because this gives us sort of what the disciples are seeing and, and, uh, and, and so that's kind of interesting. We have Jesus' viewpoint, what he's seeing and now we have the disciples' viewpoint. So in Matthew 14 verse 15 and following it says, as evening approached the disciples came to him and said this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. So here's what I think the story looks like from the disciples' perspective. The disciples are hungry. They've been hanging out all day. Um, I'm sure they've been doing ministry. That's what Jesus taught them to do. Um, and, and if you don't know that about Jesus, Jesus would, would um, teach and he would, he would demonstrate uh, uh, and how the disciples were to minister and then he would have them minister and, and then they would sort of talk about it and see what it looked like and that was the process that they were into and so they'd been busy um, ministering all day and at the end of the day they were hungry that's reasonable that's a very natural normal thing uh, and yet here's the, the difference is they've looked around and they figured out how to feed themselves they have, they have located this young man and they have worked out a deal with him whatever the deal looks like, for his five loaves and two fish. And I, I'm, my, my hope is this is what they calculated. That's enough for uh, a fish sandwich for each one of them, one for Jesus and one for the little guy. So somehow this five loaves, two fish is good for 14 fish sandwiches, but that's pretty much it. And, and so, um, so what they do is they get this all worked out. They're covered. They go to Jesus and say, listen, could you send these people away? We're hungry. We want to eat. We don't want to sit down and eat in front of all these hungry people. But we got enough for us, and so we're good. How about having them sort of take off and go? And, and Jesus responds, kind of the same, just a different take from Matthew. is, you know, you ought to give them something to eat. So, you know, where are you going to get bread to feed these people? I want you to feed them. And, uh, and Jesus is saying, listen, you need to start looking at life differently. I believe this is what's in here. I, I want you to begin to look at people and situations and, and, and begin to ask yourselves what, what Jesus would be doing in the process. What does this look like? Um, outside of the, the sort of narrow focus of our lives that we're, we're generally kind of operating with. And, and he's saying, look, it's, you know, it's bigger than just you. It's not that I don't care about you, and he's going to demonstrate that. Remember, I say this all the time. We have to remember it's not all about us. 
We have to get to that spot. We have to break out of it's all about me to it's not all about me. But, but as you do, you have to know that it is some about you. So it's not that he doesn't care about you, because he does. He cares about you. And in, in, in effect, if you've already come to know him as the Lord and Savior of your life, he's got you forever. You're covered. Whatever you might experience is temporary at best. So he's got you, and, and that's a good thing. But, but more than that, he cares about you and your life and the things that are going on. He does. Uh, fallen world, broken life, things happen. But he does care about you and what's happening in your life. And so what he really, though, wants us to do is, is really start learning how to think more like he does and, and to change our perspective from this very narrow focus into more of a throne room focus. And, and part of that comes with learning to trust him that he really does care about us and, and uh, he's going to take care of us. But it's more than just us. And so part of that process in trusting him is, is point three. It's being, being willing to use what we have. Being willing to use what we have. John 6, 12 through 13. Um, and so the, the guys give Jesus their fish. He, you know, he says, give it to me. So he does. And then this is what happens, 12 and 13. When they'd all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now to me, this is fascinating. See, because um, I, I, the, 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 the disciples were willing to offer up then their fish sandwiches to Jesus, even though they were pretty confident that this meant that nobody would have enough to eat, or even if anything to eat, because there's thousands of people here. And, and, uh, and, 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 and so there's this little bit of food. I think also that's important that, you know, Jesus had everybody sit down, because can you imagine the rush? <laughs> if... if 10,000 people realized there was 14 fish sandwiches, they would have just gone nuts. So have them all sit down. And, and he begins to, you know, to be Jesus. And uh, he starts, you know, handing out the, 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 the fish and the, and the loaves to the disciples. He's breaking bread and he's giving it to them. You know, he prays. And I, I would, I would, oh, I, would I, I, I hope there's a, a video in heaven when we get there because I want to see what that looked like. Because in my mind, it's just so fantastic, you know, because here's the disciples lining up, and they're, at first they're kind of like, whatever, we gave you the fish and the loaves, and he, he starts to break it, and he starts putting things in their baskets, and the guys go out, and we think, you know, where's this going to go? Basket, and then, 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 then they come back, and he puts more in their basket, and they go again, and he puts, and this keeps going to feed thousands of people. You know, they were out there for a while. Just, just can't even imagine, and at some point, I'm sure they went from, from, you know, the, the whole doubt of it to just how amazing is God, you know, what that would have been like uh, along the journey. And, and, and yet there was a willingness, even if their initial thought was, fine, none of us will eat, whatever, we'll be okay, um, to, to share what they had. And, and see, that's the idea in the process, is, is as they share what they have with the crowd, they're demonstrating the ideas we talk about, about, you know, radical hospitality and radical generosity. And, and so they're extending mercy to people that are spiritually and physically hungry. And, and the amazing thing about this whole process, when we break out of the trap of what about me, is, is that um, when we serve others, when we get past that and we extend mercy, the cool thing is that we always get mercy back. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And this is a picture of what, how that works um, because at the end there's 12 full baskets. That's not an accident, it's not a coincidence. There were 12 disciples. They shared what they had, even though they might have been a little hesitant to do so. And, and Jesus demonstrates to them, not only, if you trust me, not only can amazing things happen, I got your back too. I got you covered. There's, your, there's a whole basket for you. More than you could even imagine. More than you can eat. A basket full of 
what you gave away. See, that's the, the mercy of God. And I think that's a really, really cool thing for us to get a hold of. And, and I believe it's life-changing to know that, that it's not all about us, but it's some about us, and that, that we can trust Him in our lives. And, and that brings me just to the, the final point, point four there. Um, who is the king? Because of what happens next, and I, I think this, this happens to us all the time. Verses 14 and 15. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Very interesting thing happens here. These people have a response that's, that's not uncommon when we're sort of stuck in a very narrow focus uh, and thinking more about us than anything else. Because the phrase there, take him by force and make him king, that's about people who want to use Jesus, not obey him. See, they want him to be king and free him from the Romans, but a king is one who rules, not one who is ruled by others. And so Jesus loves them well when he withdraws from them. You see, we, we don't command Jesus to do what we want. He's the king. We're to be asking him what he wants from us. And just like the disciples who were telling Jesus to send the people away so he could eat, instead of, of asking how they could serve, see, we're to ask and pray. That's Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I don't want to do it my way. I want to do it your way. What is your way, God? What does it look like? Because I want to follow that. I need to break out of the trap that keeps me sort of stuck in the it's all about me thing and, and, and that keeps me from keeping you in the equation of my lives. Lord, I want to be able to see what you're up to. I want to see what you're doing. I want to think about uh, how you think in situations and with people so that I get beyond sort of where I'm so often trapped and see things in a bigger way. Because the, the real full and abundant life that Jesus came to give us is found in living His way, not ours. And so, you know, my, my whole thought in this is, is if Jesus is your King, and, and my hope is that He is, make sure that He's the one sitting on the throne of your life. Because uh, that's where you're going to find life. And, and we need to make sure we're getting off of, of that place in our lives, that we yield that to Him. That, uh, that we don't, we're not telling Him what to do we're asking him what we can do in the kingdom in order to serve him because that's where life is found and so you know think about that this week think about how amazing it must have been to be in the process I hope you can you know really sort of target in on that what would it have been like to be one of the disciples keep going back for a basket and keep having God just supernaturally provide that and giving it to the crowds and 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 uh, you know I don't know if the crowd was hushed or if they were just chatting like maybe the crowd didn't, but they said eventually they figured out that this was a miracle because they didn't have that thing going for, so you know what was their reaction and 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 you know I, I can't the disciples at some point must have just gotten that whole goosebumply thing going on because they're they're seeing God at work in such a significant way and and they're watching you know as they as they were willing to share um, how it comes back and, and all the things they were learning think about those things think about how we can break out of that trap of what about me and make sure that we're trusting him and, and think about you know keeping him in the equation of your lives because that's really important and, and don't limit um, you know God sort of based on your narrow focus but, but uh, think like he thinks and, and look for what he's doing and move into those situations so that's good for that uh, I hope you I, I think that's a great thing to think about and, and do that all week long I think you'll enjoy it if you're watching my video thank you very much we appreciate you doing that or on TV thank you for tuning in come visit us 
Prayer is available at the website. If you go there, we will pray for you. We look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you.